0: When God's mantle is on a church, that church begins to work. And God wants a church like that. In the words of Jesus, it's a prevailing church. As he said in Matthew sixteen eighteen. I say unto you, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Gates speak of access. Gates control what comes in, what goes out. And gates keep what's on the inside on the inside and what's on the outside on the outside. Cities of old had walls built around them. And if you wanted to access the city like we do through the border gates... You had to go through the gate. And at the gate in that area, at the gate, that's where we are told there was a lot of trading that happened. But not only was there trading, the people who were like the, your local council that controlled the affairs of the city, that's where their sittings would be for their meetings, the executive meetings and manco meetings. That's where the elders of the city would sit to decide the destiny of the city, the direction of what must happen, and to also determine what the city is for. So all the important decision makers were found at the gates, meaning whoever sat at the gates controlled the city. And Jesus is using that picture to say that the gates of hell, because it's at the gates where... In these meetings, strategy is being implemented. Plans are being made. Vision is being cast. So, at the gates, the gates decide the destiny of the city. And Jesus says, the plans and the gates of hell, the plans, the, the schemings, and everything that Satan is trying to do against the church will not prevail. matter what he plans no matter what he tries to do no matter how much they meet no matter how much they talk no matter how much they strategize every plan of theirs will be brought to naught because the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church which means the church will prevail against the gates of hell it's the church that will set the agenda It's the church that will advance. Is the church that will move forward. Is the church that will determine what happens in the city. Is the church that determines the atmosphere in the city. So the church must understand who they are and what they carry and what their mandate is. Because when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to the weight in our cities of the spiritual atmosphere, we ought to be determining that atmosphere. But the church must be a prevailing church. And so Jesus uses that church to show, as we were saying, that he wants healthy, growing churches. He wants churches that will embrace the mantle of God. We use the word mantle in a generic sense. We saw how in Bible days a mantle was an item of clothing that was distinctive as a Hebrew garment. It was a roomy, loose-fitting garment, which was usually bright-colored. You could call it a mantle, a tunic, a cloak, a coat. The typical Hebrew slept on the floor with his mantle, and he used that mantle as his covering to keep him warm. This was especially true for the travelers, the shepherds, even the poor people. We are told that in times of anguish, the Hebrews would tear their mantles to show their distress. But Then the prophets and the kings and the priests also wore a mantle. But this mantle that they wore, much as it was a physical garment, but it carries a, a special spiritual significance. In the case of prophets, this mantle symbolized and represented and signified god's divine enablement in the person's life to fulfill god's calling because god will never call you without equipping you god will never send you to fulfill a task without empowering you with the necessary anointing to fulfill the task can i hear an amen, amen. and when the mentor comes on you it signifies a change of season It also signifies a stepping into a different level of authority. It says, Whatever you are being set aside for, you are being equipped to fulfill it. That's what Elisha understood. When Elijah took his mantle and threw it on him, he understood that today I changed from being a farmer. Today I move from looking after sheep and goats and plowing I am moving into a different direction he understood that because the mantle has come on me my agenda changes my focus changes my mission changes my vision changes but most of all I am being equipped to fulfill my function and so we know that this mantle it's a combination of God's gifting God's divine ability God's divine enablement, God's favor, and God's anointing for office. And when you read the Bible, you know that God's mantle falls by His grace. And it comes upon individuals, each one of you. There's a mantle of God that is your portion. Ah, I don't hear the amens. Mentals come upon individuals, they come upon organizations. They come upon churches. They come upon families. They come upon cities. They come upon nations. They come upon leadership. They come upon the fivefold ministry. They come upon business people. They come upon people in health. All of us have a mantle. As I look at you today, I know I'm looking at people who carry a mantle. So by the grace of God, when the mantle falls on you, Like we see, it was a roomy garment. Figuratively, it means when the mantle falls on you, you will have room to move, room to grow, room to succeed, room to move forward. In the case of the church, the church will work. It will be a prevailing church. And anything that seeks to restrict you cannot hold you back when a mental falls on people, even those that society had set aside and had called useless, rise up to a different level. Even those who were filled with fear, those who thought they can't do it, when the mental falls on them, they become different. When they saw Peter and John Operating in the mental, they said, We observe that these guys are uneducated men, but we cannot withstand the wisdom with which they speak. I see God's mental falling on your life, and the mental, when it falls on you, you have room to grow, you have enough grace upon your life to fulfill your God given vision, and you are able to go further. And this is why I'm talking about the mental of a growing church. Because when a church has a mental on it, it has certain things, certain abilities that God does upon them. When you read the book of Revelations, you note that the letters that Jesus wrote to the different churches and to the different heads of churches, which he addressed to the seven churches, each letter carries a distinct, unique Message. Why? Because each church is distinct and unique. Each church carries a certain grace, like you are distinct and unique. And this is why, Basalana, it's very exciting to see God work in a church. There are churches, God gives us a certain grace. You know, I was in Tata last week, Basalana, and I was so excited to be with my dear friend, Pastor Don Phillips and Nomsa. His wife, Nomsa Phillips who have been used of God. I know him back then. I know them back then when they were associate pastors under, under Pastor Marias, And they were leading this church, and they were there as associate pastors, and I was invited by Pastor Marias to preach at the church. So I preached at the church, and I got to meet Pastor Don, and we became dear friends. The church was handed over to him, and he believed he can do it, like many of you believe you can do it. He didn't think he had what it takes. And he started leading this church. And a few years ago, they went on a campaign to build a building, a big church. And everything that could go wrong, went wrong. Listen to me, Mzalwan. Never despair when things go wrong. Are Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you listening to me, my dear? Are you listening? Never despair when things go wrong. Never, ever. Jump to conclusions. You know why? Because if God assigns you, if God puts a mantle on you, it's just a matter of time. You will get there one day. So i was so excited last week to be preaching at this church. I was there from Friday till Sunday. And I mean, every service was just just incredible. I just want to show you, Bazalana, the beautiful building they've built called Tata. Right in Tata in a place where people say you can't build anything. It's six 6,000 people, this church. It's a big building. Look at that. Basalan. Look. Oh, come on. Basalan. These are real pictures. These are real. These are real images. Look at that. That's the church right there. It's standing there right in Mtata. And uh, my friend Don Phillips is running this church. And I was preaching in this church, and the power of God. Look at it inside. This is from the balcony. Inside, I went and took the pictures. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, shaba yaba, ay, ay, sagala masamba. I took that picture myself. There's Pastor Don. Look at this church, Pastor. Donald. Come on, give the Lord a big hand. Come on, give me a little Ay! Look at this building, Bazalana. Isn't it just too beautiful? Isn't it just too nice, too, too something? Yaba yeah, yaba. Yeah. That's Pastor Don Phillips. Now he's smiling. Hey, hello, my friend. Oh, shaba yaba yaba. That's his Sunday. When they went to Mtata and they started leading, they told him it can be done. Mtata, hey, lali. Ez lali. This building has cost them almost hundred and seventy something million Rands.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. They 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 have they have a screen like this, one screen behind the pulpit, it costs eight million Rands. Listen, Barcelona. And all of it has been paid cash. I'm talking about a mental. I said, I'm talking about a mental. I said, I'm talking about a mental. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm talking about a mental. They told you it can't be done. They told you you don't have the right personality. They told you you don't have enough education. They told you you don't have enough connections. But God will be able to do it through you. Yeah. Yeah. And so you see these churches all over our country. No matter where they are, building buildings. Building buildings. na say, building buildings. Because of the mantle. I'm
1: going to show you a few things
0: about this mantle that rests upon churches. Several things that characterize these churches. And even if I, as I talk about churches, I want you to take these principles and use them in your business. In whatever you are running, use these principles because they will work for you. Number one, the first principle is that you'll find that these churches have what we call team ministry. Somebody say team ministry. Team ministry. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's team ministry. Amen. Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, it's team ministry. Amen. Team ministry. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Ecclesiastes 4, 9. It says in the New King James Bible, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Please listen carefully. There is no big enterprise, no big achievement that can ever be realized by one person alone. God will always choose a leader, the lead person, that's not an issue. But for us to be able to do much, we have to work as a team. And churches that don't learn to leverage the giftings and the abilities among themselves will always fall short of doing what they should be doing. I was giving an example. Kamren. I see this young guy here who's operating this, whatchamacallit. This thing, baby, it's a Jeep. Né? It's not Jeep Cherokee, it's just a Jeep. What is handling there? This young man came, started working in our church and volunteering in the in the AV department. Started operating some cameras and learning a few things, and then he started learning how to operate this thing. This thing is very complex to operate, Bazilana. You must know what you are doing. And he volunteered his time, and as we speak now, he is in a very reputable uh, television company, and is working at a very high level. I won't say and not not many people can do this but you see basalada he is using his time i'm just using him as an example and his skill for me to be able to preach do you do you understand what i'm saying to say yeah yeah so i i can't do that i don't know how to do that but i don't need to know how to do that because i i have a team member that's why in our church we have people in ushering, counseling. We've got people in the, in, uh, helping us with the parking. people with the people at the sounders there. We have the wonderful musicians who will let us in powerful worship and praise today. Eh? Huh? And then some of you, I want to thank you because there are some of you that we consult at different times and we, we ask you to help us on different things because Keraka is not just preaching. <laughs> yeah. Woo. There's a lot here. So I, I, I don't need to be a finance person. I don't have to be a lawyer. I mean, I must just preach. Do you understand? And I can talk right around 9-9. Nine, nine. Now I will do the research. In my area now, I will be the best. I can tell you that much. I will be the best. I'll be the best. Right? But, but I know that we have team members like you who are going to bring in the skill. Many churches cannot leverage their potential. They can't reach people as they should. I mean, we're talking about the youth, the youth coming back. Yeah. I didn't see you. I know. Present mistress. Yeah, take off the mask. Yes, that's right. Can I just tell you something about that Let me tell you something about I always tell him, I don't understand how he serves in that church because we grew up together in the things of faith. 1979, uh, we were in the same prayer meeting that I was leading, and he was a member of, and he's a friend. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a colleague. I mean, he's, you know, and, and about, I mean, you know. You understand what I mean? And, and this man has been so humble, serving in our church with his family. And, and I've, never, I've never, for me, I've never, I've never understood his, his heart. I, I, I appreciate it. But he has a heart that is You know what I'm saying? And here he's serving for us in the youth department. At some point we were neighbors on the same street. His kids, my kids. But he's a team member. Are you understanding what I'm saying? God bless you. I know Don Chica after this that's the wife but she was my junior always okay she was always my junior bless your ribs give them a big hand Basalana. but you see Basalana. no church and leaders who don't realize the wealth of people god brings to your church And you try to be everything. And you do things substandard. You will never be able to have a prevailing church. Are you understand what I'm saying? All of you, basalana, you are people who bring a lot of worth and a lot of value. There are some of you who are unable to serve because of your schedule. Some of you because, you know, you're at that age where you're raising children. You don't have much time. I understand that. I understand that. But even your presence in church. Yeah, and just the hallelujah, my brother. How I love that one, you know. Yeah, yeah. Last week, I was, where was I? I was somewhere. I think in the Eastern Cape. Somebody asked me, where's that lady in your church who always goes, hallelujah? She's in another branch now. But she's still here. Yeah, she's still here. And I thought, even just that hallelujah. (laughs) Are you understanding what I'm saying? Come on, look at your neighbor. and say, you must learn to pick up the hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. Those of you who are leading companies or leading churches, please remember, it takes all of us. There will always be a leader in the group. But God brings people with ability and skill to help us move on. This place flooded on Friday. There was a flood in here. The water was, I don't know how far, but it was really bad. Really, really bad. You know? We don't know what has happened to the, to the uh, infrastructure around here. But this whole place was flooded. And then the insurance company came, and people came, and, and so on. And most of all, our volunteers came. There are people who slept here Friday night, was They were here yesterday. Till late, Lima Bishop, they were here. Bansa di Tudo, Baita, all this. You can see the carpet is not 100%. You can see a drum. But they were doing all this for you and me to have a service today. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And that's why we appreciate them so. Bazalana, can I say something? I don't know. Maybe let me make this request, Basalana. You know, we don't pay our volunteers, Basalana. at all. We don't pay them at all. They will give their time. However, a few years ago, I decided at the end of every year, I'm going to host a big, big banquet for them at a prestigious place. Paid, paid for by the church. Just, just for once, these volunteers can be served. Because they serve. Now, now, we, we discontinued it because some of the people started abusing it. Uh, because they, they, they wouldn't serve in the department the whole year. But then, on the eve of the banquet... They start serving, and it was difficult because we said no. We want people who have been serving. We are not discriminating, but Rakup, it would be hard even when their department heads, Baba Buella. So it ended up being something that you know, Nek Sabat. You know, I don't know about Waruna why you start something good, but kala bakalam skurukur. That's what skurukur. That's what skurukur. I get some because khoake Bakala skurukur. Now people back here is skurukur. You know, and, and I stopped it. But can I be honest with you? Can I be honest with you? Mama Kud? Can I be honest with you, Mama Kud? does not give it to Mama Kudu because Mama Kudu serves us so well, this lady. I mean, Mama Kudu, I don't know. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> she always serves us. She bakes us some scones and everything. Our, there's, there's visitors who come here, they come for the scones. Well, mama Kudu, they say the scones are Mama Kudu ring Oh, and then I was saying, I've not been happy about having discontinued that program. We want to bring it back this year, but keko kopa? the department heads and lewasa saving when the day comes just sanitize yourself, <laughs> isolate and quarantine. And i'll tell you why because there is no way this church can do what it does without volunteers if we were to pay everybody i mean all these young people in the cameras all of them all of them not a single one of them is paid not, not a single one this is highly professional what they're doing is that all these musicians <laughs> We only have a few anchor people that are paid. What am I trying to say? Many churches are limited in doing what they should do because they don't understand teamwork. We've understood teamwork even in our, among us as preachers. The, we, we, our preaching styles are not the same. Our focus is not the same. On the board, we have people on our council who are administrative people, some are financial people, who've got legal people. Some people, they are nice people. So when we have problems to resolve, we can't send them. They are too nice. When you have to send them to go and resolve something, they end up coming back to convince you how you've wronged the others. I said, no! No, comrade, no! No, you must go and present a case. But you see, it takes all of us to make the world go round. Amen? Tell your neighbor you are needed to... Number two, these churches secondly have a sense of mission. A sense of mission. Luke chapter 9, verse 10. When you read what Jesus said about his life, note what he says there in Luke chapter 9, verse 10. I mean, verse 19, Luke chapter 19, did I say? What did I say? Ask his Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Listen to what it says. Jesus says, there verse 10, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. This is when Jesus went to the house of Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector. And because of the reputation of tax collectors, he was ostracized by his community. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with him. But Jesus, God being who he is, God's not going to buy into the prejudice of people around your life. And so Jesus one day decided to go to the house of Zacchaeus because you see, Basalan, we look at people and observe what they do on the outside. What we don't know is the inward commitments and the inward conversations they're having with God. What you don't know is what they do behind closed doors. Because they may come out here and do all kinds of things. And we may judge them on that basis. And that is why God is the only true judge. God is the only true judge. So Jesus decides to go to the house of Zacchaeus. And his disciples were not impressed with him. Because at the time, tax collectors didn't have a good reputation among people. They used to survive through bribery, extortion, they used to really, really mistreat people. And worst of all, even if Zacchaeus was a Jew, he was working for the Roman government. And politically, it's almost like here's this guy who's working for the oppressor. And they are coming to take our taxes. So they didn't like him. But see, God, God, God doesn't buy into those kind of things for us. He sees people's hearts. That's why sometimes it's strange when you hear somebody adding Cindy C or And we may have problems with them, and it becomes worse. God then starts using them, and it's very difficult to receive from them because we know they are packaging. You may know they are packaging, but you don't know how they are on the inside. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! And so, Jesus goes to the house of Zacchaeus, and when he gets to the house of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus is so excited. This is after Zacchaeus said, hey, that Jesus is coming, went over, I climbed on the sycamore tree, and Jesus says, come down today, I'm coming to your house. And when Jesus came into his house, he starts confessing, he says, Lord, if I've taken anything from anybody in a wrong way, I'd take it back. You know, if I restore everything and everything. And Jesus says, salvation has come to your house. Yeah. Then the usual culprits, the Pharisees and the Sadducees says, who's this man? What is he talking about? That's when Jesus makes the statement in verse 10. He says there in verse 10, verse 9, Jesus says to him, Today salvation has come to this house. For he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus says, that's my mission. I've come here to look for, to seek. Jesus says, if they are lost, I'm going to look for them. If they are wayward, I'm going to look for them. If you don't like them, those are the ones that I've come for. I have come here to seek and to save the lost. So in other words, he wasn't going to endear himself to the religious community. Because religion is not faith in God. Religion is really not being a believer. Religion is a set of rules and do's and don'ts. And religion kills. Religion hates. Religion ostracizes. But God doesn't ostracize anybody. Religion always behaves as holier than thou. But God is not like that. And Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that's lost. Every church must know its mission. We say it in this church. Our mission is to turn irreligious people into fully devoted followers of Christ. That's our mission. People must know there's a sense of mission. People must understand what is this church doing. People mustn't wonder We wonder petrol. petrol, you know that kind of a thing. It must be very clear where we are going. And churches that carry a mantle, they move in that power. Can I hear an amen in the house? Number three. Churches that are prevailing have a clear vision. Clear vision. Clear vision. Can be long-term, short-term, clear vision. Vision is a picture of a preferable future. What do we see in our future? Well, we're talking about it, the planting of a thousand churches and, of course, other things that we see. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen: where there's no vision, the people perish. If you're going to be a prevailing church, if you're going to be a church that, that, that exercises its mental or leverages its mental, you need to have vision. If God anoints you, but you don't have a mission or a vision, the anointing will be a waste. And go with me to Luke chapter 4. Now I'm going away from my notes. God never anoints for the sake of anointing. God always anoints for a purpose, for a reason. Note what Jesus says in Luke chapter 4. Verse 18 when he went to the temple found a place in the book of Isaiah and read that space intentionally know what he says the spirit of the Lord is upon me read the next word I read that word just the one word the word say it again say it again let's start again hearing the Spirit of the Lord. Yes. Stop right there. Read it again. The Spirit. Yes. So, which means, Barcelona, if there's no because, there's no reason for the Spirit of God to be upon you. And this is why people have messed up the thing, the anointing, because Babata anointing, and there's no reason for you. They want a double portion, but they even haven't even used the first portion. The spirit of the Lord, let's have it up there. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? Yeah, he has sent me to do what? To heal. I can't hear you. To proclaim liberty to the and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised, next verse, to preach what? <laughs> so the spirit of the Lord is there to heal, to deliver, to set free, to enable in preaching. So there's always a purpose. So if you do not have vision, if there's no purpose, if there's nothing that you're trying to do, why must you operate in the mental? The mantle doesn't come on you to elevate your status for Mahala. When the mantle comes on you and God elevates your status in the spirit world, it's for you to deal with demonic powers in the spirit world. Amen. Are you there, The Anointing is on us to, to build churches, to get people saved, to see healing power, work in the lives of people, to give leadership. The spirit of the Lord is upon us to be rebuilders of our time to encourage people who are discouraged. The the Spirit of the Lord is upon us to bring hope to the hopeless hearts, for homes that have been destroyed to be rebuilt again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us for those who are far from God to come back to God, to raise up young people, to write a new story of their lives. That's why the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. The Spirit of the Lord is not upon us for Hulala. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us to fulfill purpose. And when the mantle comes on you, when God throws that mantle on you, he's telling you, I've got a job for you to do. I've got an assignment for you. Tell your neighbor, God has an assignment for you. Tell them again, God has an assignment. Number four. A church that has a mantle on it, and that's a growing church, has the ministry of the Holy Spirit in worship, signs, and wonders. We must allow for the moving of the Spirit among us. That's why I was so blessed with all of you today, joining in worship, praising God spontaneously, letting your heart express itself to God. That's why you see us pray for the sick, operate in gifts of the Spirit. I've been praying about this for months now. I'm saying, God, we can't afford to have church services that like a funeral. We are not here at, to, at God's funeral. We are here at a vibrant place. Can I hear an amen, brother. Amen. We are here to have an encounter with runa. We've got issues. Each one of us the issues, Taruna. But God being God knows every one of us. God being God understands every one of us. And God being God said, when you assemble together, I will touch everybody. Some of you who need healing, I will heal you. Those who need deliverance, I will give deliverance. Those who need to be encouraged, I will encourage. Those who need the word, I will give them the word. Those who need to be touched through worship, I will touch you through worship. I will touch you through prayer. We, We are all here and God wants to work among us. And we must allow for that next month. I'm going to be talking a lot about it. Because as I've been praying, God said, look, if you don't teach on it, the church cannot operate in it. I know what a touch of God can do in your life. Even if you may not understand what happened, how it happened, but you know that it has happened. I'm no longer the same person. I know there's a burden that was broken. I know there's a yoke that was destroyed. I know that my life went to a different level. I don't know how to explain them. I know I've been in church services where the anointing of God came upon my life and as I came up to preach, I was no longer the same preacher. There was a certain level of authority and power and productivity. I didn't have to work as hard to get results. Things were working on their own. I know what it means. I was telling them, "Come, Tata." I remember when I went to stand on the stage, Sakorema. When it was still being built, it was just a steel structure. I remember as I stood on the stage of this unfinished build, building, which is still at an at an early stage, it's just steel, no walls, nothing, just a stage. As I stood on that stage, something happened in my heart. I don't know how to say it, but Sarakewanagoka, si mara don't ya stuka mo it. God wrote a tattoo on my spirit that day and what he tattooed in my heart is that it is possible to run a church that will be a prevailing church, a large church, a successful church and it's possible to build a big building. This was way back before I'm saying to you as you sit in the service may God put a stuka on your May God put possibility in your heart that you will have a successful business. You will have a successful family. That May God put a tattoo in your heart to say it doesn't matter what your background is. You are able to come out of it. May God put a tattoo in your heart young person to say in my family I will stand for God in Jesus name. And that only happens by the work of the Holy Spirit. We can explain it. Jesus said to them in the book of John 3, He says, But now the Holy Spirit is like wind. The wind blows wherever it wants. Nobody knows where it comes from. Nobody knows where it's going. And when God works, you can't quantify it. You can't put it in a test tube. You can't put it under a microscope and dissect it. Marok Salah, your God has worked. You can't deny that God is working. You may not understand what we do. You may not like the fact that we shout and scream. Mara, you can't deny that the hand of the Lord is upon our lives. They may not understand you. When you are busy doing the hallelujah. They may not understand you, but they cannot deny something has happened in your life. They can't deny. And that's what a church does. To be a place where people will encounter God. Many years ago, God challenged me, said, you see, you don't show people how to encounter me. You don't create an atmosphere for people to encounter my power. Because all of us around the world, all human beings, they know. After everything is said and done through our efforts, we need an extra something, something, something to help us succeed. Whether it's luck, whether there's an extra something, something. That's why I Rilo consult we all know it and don't don't think don't think other people in the world don't do it if you look in the UK they believe so much in the in the in the in the, in the, the horoscopes I've read the history of some of them yeah there are some of them who will never make a decision until something is said in the horoscope or until the sun is standing this way but we know as human beings our efforts can only go so far but we need an extra something something we know that extra something something is not a something it's a somebody his name is Jesus his name is the Holy Ghost Can I hear an amen? We come here in the presence of God because we know after I have done my part, after I have prayed, after I have studied, after I have prepared, after I have written my notes, after I have written my presentation, after I have practiced preaching God, let it not only be my words, let it be that extra power of the Holy Ghost. Let it change people's lives. That it changed people's lives. I'm going to share with you Paul in this coming month. Paul had gone to Athens. When he came to Athens, he he, he argued with them. He reasoned with them. A preacher. He took them on an intellectual trip. Ha 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 He convinced them. But he didn't have much impact. And then he came to Corinth. I'm going to tell you some exciting things about Corinth this coming month. Corinth, an evil place. A place here about my Lord you hear when I describe it. But God is working there. This is what excites me. God doesn't care how bad you are. As long as you're open to his grace. As long as you allow him to change your life. And when Paul came to Corinth, he changed his strategy. So when I came to you, preaching the gospel, I didn't come with the words of men's wisdom. He says, I came in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith should not rest in the wisdom of men, but your faith should rest in the power of God. He understood that preaching alone is good, but let people have an encounter with God. Because when you have encountered God, you must ask Saul, you must ask Saul, Killing Christians, left, right, and center. Thinking that he is the center of everything. Feeling like nobody can do anything to me. I'm the mighty guy. And the Bible says, as he took the letters from the religious leaders that gave him permission to go and kill Christians, as he was riding on his horse, Thinking that he's a somebody. Thinking that he can intimidate people. Thinking that he can kill people at will. He didn't know there is one who's greater than him. There's yeah. nobody. And what God did, and I love it, when Jesus met Saul, he didn't do it in a nice way because what's about it? In the world, yeah. These guys, it's strength and power that works. Yeah. When you come in the world, you don't come in nicely and discuss. No. It's, an, it's, a, power, it's a power encounter. So what does God do? He knocks the guy off the horse.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: And then he falls to the ground, tries to get up there. He's blind. He can't see. And he has a voice speaking. That's how you deal with a guy of this kind of character. You don't you don't become nice. You just cook oh. the guy. Oh. That's why is nice. you know Jesus isn't nice. No, Jesus is not always nice. He knows. So how do you deal with little kids? How do you all a little mufatimo? Sharpa brabiza fello equilibito. Fer lakibutleva. Let's come to us come to a I tell you. Hey, <laughs> I tell you. Fell down. He says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? God is taking it personally. When you touch the Christians, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you, Saul, to kick against the pricks. Wait a minute, I'm for it. Utswara well, you are not supposed to utwara day. You are meddling where well, you are not supposed to meddle. Everybody may be afraid of you, Marana, I am the one who has your life in my hands. I can bring you up, I can bring you down. And Saul is so ashamed. Go and read it. You can hear his words of surrender. First words out of his mouth. Who are you, Lord? In that culture, when you use the word Lord, you are saying, I'm submitted to you. Whatever you say, I'll do it. You give me the orders, I will march. And the Lord tells him, what you are doing is not right. What am I saying? It's an encounter with God. You can reason with Saul many years to come. And he will continue doing what he's doing. But one encounter with God. I said one encounter with God. When encounter we have with God. That's why I was in the church, I'm telling you. If we're going to be a prevailing church that exercises its mental, we must allow for the power of God to move. Of course, services will not be the same. There's days when it will be the worship that's good that day. That touches you. Some days it's the preaching that touches you. Some days it's somebody just going, Hallelujah! That touches you. And in conclusion, number five. Number five, I'm going to skip my points and go to this one. A church that leverages its mental, and that's a growing and a prevailing church, is a church that knows where it is graced and leverages its grace. You know, alone? not only churches, but even with you as an individual, there's an area where you are graced by God. Somehow, in that area, you are good. And oftentimes, you didn't even go to school to learn it. When you operate in that area, you have the mind for it. You have the personality for it. You have the ability for it. And, and, and the Bible uses the word grace. Look what Paul says there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. I love it. And I want to show you that. He says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, now, keep my verse there. What does that word grace mean? I'm going to share a lot in this coming month, but let me give you a bit of a teaser. This is a preview. Okay. This is a preview of it. The word grace is the Greek word Charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. And that word is borrowed from Greek mythology. It's quite interesting to note when Paul was teaching certain concepts he was trying to convey because they were very new to the Christian community. There was no religious language that could explain that concept. For instance, when he was teaching about love, He was trying to explain that there's another kind of love called agape. People knew the other kind of love. Stoge, eros, phileo. They knew that. But Paul, when he writes about love in 1 Corinthians 13, he realizes, no, this love is a different love. So he goes into Greek mythology where the Greeks believed that there's a, set, there's a fourth kind of love which can only be possessed by a god. Because it's a kind of love that's not based on emotions or feelings. It's a kind of love that sees value in the other person and looks at them as valuable and precious, and human beings can do that. So they called it agape. So when Paul was teaching about the love of God that's shared in our hearts, he uses the word agape. So he borrowed it from Greek mythology and imported it into the Christian language. The same applies to the word grace. It's time to explain this concept of grace. In Greek mythology, they believe that grace is when a God touched you. When grace touched you. And when these gods touched you, it became an empowering touch. It became an empowering presence that transformed you and gave you abilities that you previously did not have. So, after encountering this touch from these gods, you were able to do things that you couldn't do before. So, charis is a touch of the gods resulting in favor or grace, an empowering touch, an empowering presence. And always demonstrating itself with visible manifestations. In other words, once you have been touched like that, you so change that you start being fruitful and productive in ways that are visible. And people born or no, si amazelo, maraganja, tanja. And Paul uses this word grace. And when you study it, it has several tributaries. There are levels of grace. There's great grace, and and there's more grace, and there's levels of grace. Grace number two is visible. You can see it. You can tell that this person is no longer the same. (laughs) And there's all kinds when it comes to this grace. So grace to them in Greek mythology, it was like a magical touch. That is demonstrated by supernatural abilities. Go back to my verse. So Paul is saying, Mamela, I know who I was. I used to kill people. I used to murder people. But there's a day when God touched me. And when God touched me, he lavished upon me a mantle and he put upon me grace. So he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. What is he saying? He says, When you see me doing what I'm doing, it's really because I got a touch from God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. But then he continues. He says, His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. When God gave me His grace, I didn't act like there's no grace on my life. Mara, I made sure that I used this grace. How, Paul? He says, it it was not in vain. He says, but I labored more abundantly than them all. Here it is. If God puts a grace on you to plant churches, Paul says, when I discovered that I have that grace, I started planting more churches. He says, when it comes to church planting, I labored more than them all. I outdid them, I outclassed them. I bear more fruit in my area of grace. But then I could, but not I. <laughs> but the grace of God on the inside of me. What am I saying? Some of you, if you are to look into your life, there's a grace on your life. Sometimes I wonder how many people know that there's a grace on their life. None of you came into the world empty-handed. None of you is a useless nobody. In that section there, somebody there is struggling with that. None of you is a useless nobody. You don't need to walk with your head down. You don't need to feel like you are a nobody. Even if your family tells you so. Even if society treats you like that. Even though your teachers told you so. There's nobody in this world who comes into this world empty handed there's a grace upon your life. I said, there's a grace upon your life. In the foyer, I said, there's a grace upon your life. There's a grace upon your life. And if you can be able to note where your grace is, you know why I lead prayer so much? Because when I look back, like what you said, oftentimes it's not, it's not about asking when it will happen. Or asking too many questions. Just continue doing what you're doing. 1979 when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, we started praying. We were praying anyhow during the week, but I started a prayer meeting then. There was nothing spectacular. There was no angel that led me. There was no tunda. There was nothing spectacular. We just went to a prayer meeting because we wanted to pray. But as the prayer meeting started, I started praying for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I prayed for Spiwe Zuma, got filled with the Holy Spirit. I prayed for the late Jerry Lichela, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. I prayed for uh, Prophet Temba Khadebe; he got filled with the Holy Spirit. I prayed for Burutite Bisa and I can go down the list. And in a short while, we were a group of young people. Dr. was part of that group as well. The one I talked about. Nerelika, Nerelika, how many? I 10, 15, how many were we? 12, around 12 young people would pray from Monday to Friday, from 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock. Yeah, he used to go and catch a train. But we pray in there. But let me ask you a question. Here I am in 1979, I was 18 years old. I'm not from Bible school, I'm not a pastor, I don't have anything teaching, no training, nothing. But here it is. Nobody voted me in. I just started leading and they started following. Name and does. But you see, that's the beauty about the grace of God. When it's on you, you are not aware. <laughs> and, and 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 if you are not careful, you will think it's your character because it's so easy to do those things in the meantime. Is the grace. And then I realized, God, this grace of leading prayer has been bestowed upon me. Why don't I labor more about... I wish you knew how I feel like during the week as we lead prayer on Facebook and I see 2,000 people joining from all parts of the world. I say, by goodness me. I know it's not because of the great preaching and anything. Thank God for all of that. But I know it's because of the grace. What am I saying? I hope you can see the area of your grace. I hope you can realize in business, in education, in the arts field, technical field, politics, there are people, I think, some of the politicians, now if I was to advise them, I think they must become preachers. No, no, I'm telling you. They are graced to be a preacher, not to be a politician. There's a mantle on them, matter. the problem is they have misdirected it. Yeah? And God wants you to operate in your grace. Can I pray for you, Basala? Can I pray for you? Would you raise your hands to the Lord? Even those of you who are streaming, wherever you are. Yeah, that's right, Sipati. If you want to stand, you can stand, Bazalan. I, 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 I just feel that there's a, there's a grace. There's a grace. Maybe before, can you look at me for a while? You can put your hands down. Just look at me for a while. Bazalan, please understand. You're not a mistake. You're not a coincidence. You came into the world by God's design. You did. Listen. Some of you, your grace is to bring your family together. Some of you. Family that is scattered, that has gone through a lot. And you know, if if you want to know where your grace lies... Check the things that become a burden to you. That's a sign. When Moses saw the children of Israel being mistreated in Egypt, he wasn't happy. He ended up intervening without invitation. If you want to know your grace, you busy yourself with something that they never invited you in. Because there's a tattoo in your heart. You're not doing it because of papil. You're doing it because it flows from the inside. Even if you were not asked to. Because there's a grace. You know what my prayer is for every one of you? To know your, your area of grace. You know I, I've talked to Linda them Contas and chap. One of the things I've wondered about Adem Kontole aus Nora is the grace they have for their home to be a family for many, same as my sister, my, my, my brother. Some of you, your house, your home is a home for so many other people. Where you you adopt children, even if they're not your blood, you bring them into your home. Uh, As I've traveled to Tatem Conto, I've heard him how he has so affectionately talked about the people they've adopted in his home. His excitement about their achievements. And I've said, he, He has a grace. What is your grace? What is your grace? Barnabas in the Bible had a grace of spotting raw talent. Raw ability. He was able to give them room to make mistakes when Paul, a great leader, didn't have the patience. It was Barnabas who talked to Paul to receive John Mark back. And it was the same Barnabas who spoke to the church to receive Paul into their fellowship. He had a grace, Barnabas, of spotting raw talent and nurturing someone rough around the edges. There are some leaders who don't know how to deal with somebody who is greatly gifted. They're just rough around the edges. They are just not wired to have the patience. And they can destroy all potential unawares. And they need a Barnabas in that organization. What is your grace? Some of you, your grace is finances. Whatever you touch tends to gold. You just know how to make money. In the right way, by the way. Let's qualify. <laughs> Some of you, your grace is to be generous. That's one of the things I've learned over time. God blesses you so much, not for you but for others. He makes you a custodian. He gives to you and lavishes to you. That's the one thing. By God's grace, God's helped us in this church to help many ministries. Many. I won't tell you, but there's many ministries with help. Preachers who've started churches and we said for the first two years we'll pay your salary just at a church. Now you know why God blesses us the way he blesses us. Oh yeah. It's a grace. What is your grace? What is your grace? Nobody here came into the world empty handed. You may not readily see it. You may not readily be aware of it. It's there. If you will take the time to look Or if you will allow people to give you feedback. When you do them, you stand out. When you do them, we see the hand of God on you. When you do them, you become God's gift to all of us. When you do them, things come to order. What is your grace? Do you know your grace? Paul says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And as I pray now, I'm praying, angati ignite this grace. And if you're already operating in it, may God pour more anointing upon that grace. <laughs> if our world can be filled with men and women who go around fulfilling what their grace is, then we wouldn't have jealous people in the world. Because if I'm walking in my grace, you are second to none. And when you walk in your grace, it brings a sense of fulfillment. And you have the ability to appreciate another person because I know my grace is not the totality of everything. My grace can only do so much. So I need my grace and I need your grace and your grace and your grace and your grace grace for our world to be touched. Come on, somebody give the Lord a big hand. We need everybody. If everybody was to give themselves to their grace, this is what I found out. In your area of grace that is where your sustenance is. Yes. I was talking with my elder sister the other day. She has this grace of counseling people. When I phone my sister, I know already I must buy enough airtime. Because she she's just like that, she she talks, she counsels, she does everything. That's just a grace. And now God's using her. She has a program on radio. She counsels people. And now people from around the world, literally, come for help. And I sent to her the other day, I said to her, my sister, I said, do you realize that same area of grace is the same area of sustenance? God sustains you through that gifting. If everybody here was alone, I'm, I, I don't know how to say it. If everybody here could operate in the area of grace, what a different world we would have. <laughs> Raise your hands. Let me pray for you. There's a sweet anointing in this sanctuary. I don't know what song will you do. Okay, yeah, yeah. Can you sing us? There
1: is a sweet anointing in the
0: Keep it right there. There is a sweet anointing. There is
1: a sweet anointing.
0: Let me tell you what I'm hearing in my spirit. This is the other words I'm hearing. Some of you, you've been afraid to operate in your grace. You were criticized. You were maligned. At times you've had failed projects. And you drew back from your grace. As we say, come and lay down the burdens you've carried. I ask you today to come and lay down the burden of fear right here in the altar. And whoever you are if you've walked in fear in any area and you didn't leverage your grace just come here in the altar. Come come here in the altar. Symbolically by coming by bringing the burden God. That's right. Right here in the altar. Just walk to the front, walk to the front, walk to the front, walk to the front. Just come. Just keep your masks on. Just walk to the front. That's right. Just walk to the front. That's right. Lay down every burden. Can they step forward? Can they all step forward, please? Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. Walk forward. Please don't step on that lady there. If you can't have enough, just stand in the house. There's a sweet anointing.
1: There is a sweet anointing. Keep walking. Keep walking. Same
0: in the other buildings where
1: you are. Just lay down. Lay down. Just
0: raise your hands, everybody, in the front here. Lord, fear can paralyze us. Fear can immobilize us. Fear can bring hurt, pain, regret, condemnation. Fear can dig a hole for us and bury us. But today, instead of being buried by fear, we bury fear in the name of Jesus. As we stand at this altar, this is a symbolic act of laying down the fear at the altar and saying, Jesus, here I am. Let your grace be ignited in my life. Let confidence fill me again. Let boldness be my portion. In the name of Jesus, I arise today. In the name of Jesus, I lay aside every yoke. In the name of Jesus, I lay aside every weight. And in Jesus' name, I arise. I am reaching forth to that which lies before me. I am apprehending what Christ has apprehended for me. And in the name of Jesus, I receive the grace. I receive the impartation. I receive the mantle in the name of Jesus. And I am set free from the things of the past. As I leave this place today, I leave this place a different person. I leave this place as one who has been mentored by your power. Father, I pray that the anointing of the Spirit will mantle everyone right here and those who are standing in the other churches, that your Holy Spirit will wrap its arms around them, that your Holy Spirit, you will fill their hearts to overflowing. I pray that today, from today, you will not give them rest, that they will be burdened, that they will carry a tattoo in their hearts to do what God has called them to do. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for impartation. In Jesus' name. And everybody shout at that sir. Everybody shout at it, sir.